Good evening. Uh, welcome to another episode of That Which Does Not Kill Us. I am your host, Sarah Arnold, and today I uh, want to talk about something that uh, was recently put at the forefront of my mind, and that would be about the variety of attachment styles and my experiences with that. Um, so let me say, a little while back, like a couple years ago, I uh, took one of those quizzes about it uh, because I was just kind of curious is when I first stumbled across the concept, okay? And um, I'll tell you about my results later. But um, in a nutshell, an attachment style, for lack of a better way of putting it, is pretty much how you attach or develop attachments with other human beings. Um, from all the um, input that I've taken on the topic... A lot of these things are actually, um, they're developed when you're very young. So, you know what I mean? Like infancy and toddler years is when these habits develop. Sometimes a little bit later, but you know what I mean? Um, these, uh, these things develop early on in life. It's pretty much it in a nutshell. So there are four major attachment types. There is a secure attachment, which is, uh, pretty much healthy. So I'm not going to get into that too, too much. Okay. And then there is your uh, anxious uh, attachment, uh, your avoidant attachment. And then last but not least, there is uh, another one, which is pretty much a combination of the other two, which um, I've heard it referred to as anxious avoidant. I've heard it referred to as a disorganized attachment style or a fearful avoidant. Um, so I'll give you the basic synopsis of um, what these are, and then I'll get into my experiences. So, somebody that has an anxious attachment um, is typically somebody that has the constant need for reassurance, you know, from people, and the constant need for validation from others and outside sources um, when it comes to their interactions with other people, be it friends, family, romantic partners, etc. That's that person that, you know what I mean, needs to hear from you 24-7 in a nutshell to basically feel uh, safe within the parameters of that relationship emotionally, right? Or seemingly, I use, yeah, like that would basically be their perception. Um, Somebody that's an anxious attacher has a very deep-seated fear of abandonment, and so they respond in kind within the parameters of their relationships, okay? So that's your anxious attachment, right? Now, your avoidant attachment style is literally the exact opposite of that. Um, This is the individual that has the fear of vulnerability, the fear of intimacy, and then the fear of getting, you know, too close to anybody. There might be deep-seated fear of rejection, you know, is the root cause of that. Um, I've not really read that anywhere. This is just me speculating based on, you know, interacting with humans and monitoring human behavior when I'm interacting with them. Um, Yeah. And so that would be a nutshell, your, um, your avoidant attachment. That's the person that's primarily very distant, you know, emotionally unavailable. Um, that kind of caliber of individual more often than not falls under that, um, attachment style. Now, 
the real fun gets into um, this is where I fall under this umbrella is the uh, fearful avoidant or the anxious avoidant, which is literally a combination of the two of those. So it's basically um, the complex dichotomy of experiencing a fear of abandonment um, from, you know, whatever that is, while also coupling that with the fear of vulnerability, intimacy, and getting too close. So it's the complex dichotomy of having the strong desire for the, it, you're essentially desiring the thing that you fear in both facets of that um, attachment style. And so life, <laughs> it's been an interesting um, thing to really monitor my behaviors consciously after having this awareness. Um, and uh, so I, after I took this quiz and fell into this information, like I thought about it a lot um, and I'll be forward with you and say, <laughs> it makes me laugh how much um, everything that I've read about this really resonates. Um, and what's funny to me, because um, so some of the things that sometimes come along with your, um, your fearful avoidant is um, having a tendency to um, basically like, so <laughs> I run, I'm a runner. Okay. Um, I, I, so I'm now I'm going to get into just my own perspective, my own perception of my own experiences. Okay. So, um, I have a tendency to, um, so I guess what I would say is, um, I've stuck around in some chaotic relationships. Obviously my marriage is one of them. Um, and what's interesting to me is looking back, um, it's been a little while since I've seen, um, or read anything on it, but one of the ones that I had come, one of the things that I had come across on it was talking about, um, the cycles that they will go through within, you know what I mean? Not have like with, um, having like relationships, you know, and not really being in committed relationships and the way that, um, a fearful avoidant will basically cycle through relationships. And, um, I really wish I could better remember, um, how it goes, but basically, this is the person that will, um, you know, at the point in which they're attached, they will have the fear of abandonment. But then, you know, when, when the, the flip, bleh, when the switch gets flipped into, uh, the fear of intimacy and the getting too close, um, that's usually when they'll shut it down and shut it off and, you know, cycle through. And, um, they have a tendency to not have a lot of long-term committed relationships instead, you know, you know, they'll have a multitude of shorter term engagements because of these, you know, dueling, uh, fears, you know, and what's interesting to me is that, um, and I really wish I could remember more details on it. I really do. Cause I, but I haven't seen the specific thing, the video that I'm referencing in, it's probably been at least six months, maybe seven, but, um, there's this one lady on YouTube that does videos on it. It's really in depth and it's very detailed. And, um, I'm sure if you plug in, you know what I mean? Attachment styles, you'll come up with her. She seems, she seems like she's probably like in her thirties, uh, has long, dark hair, um, some white lady, but, um, really good videos. Again, I wish I had more information. Sorry, I don't. Eh. But anyhow, 
and one of them, she's discussing the cycles, you know, that a fearful avoidant will go through in, you know, basically um, discarding partners. And there's a lot of a tie into some other personality disorders and all of this as well, come to find out. But um, there's some parallels. I don't, I don't know if they're, you know, 100% tied in, but anyhow, um, it's talking about the cycles that they'll go through, you know, from, you know, starting a relationship and then ending a relationship. And what's interesting to me in watching this and reading at the time that I was doing a lot of reading on this is that um, essentially speaking, what I noticed is my own behavior pattern. Like I was doing all of those things just within the context of a singular relationship with the same person. And so like what I will say is um, like anytime there's a relationship with, you know, people like whatever happens within the confines of that relationship, it is not 100% one sided. It is not 100% one person's fault nor the other. Like it takes two to tango. Okay. And I've noticed this because of, um, like the example that I will use is, um, like I've talked about a little bit, my summer romance, right? And, um, getting involved with somebody that I perceived to be a safe person. Um, and I'm not saying that my perception was wrong. It's just, that's you know what I mean? That was my perception in those moments. And I don't necessarily disagree with that even now in hindsight, but, um, what I noticed was that, um, as, as soon as, um, as soon as the moment arose in which I had a desire for more and awareness that I had the desire for more, um, that happened to be the same time, uh, something was said, um, this is something really minor, random and like awkward and, it was just as a very small statement that like it completely triggered like my abandonment wound and like and like I hyper fixated on it and basically the way my mind reacted to that was like well it's over and you know what I mean I pretty much spiraled out from there and you know jumped ship um because my uh fight or flight was my my fight or flight response was triggered in those moments and that was how I chose to respond to that was by running because, you know, anytime, like, anytime that I experience this and it's not just in my adult life, um, I've also noticed a pattern like in my youth in which, um, um, and this gets into the fear of getting too close aspect of things really which, but I've noticed any time in my youth, I felt as though, you know what I mean? Somebody was getting close with me. Like it, you know, sometimes it can feel suffocating. Um, even if it's not intended that way. And in those circumstances, my, um, my primary response is to create distance and like either push them away or, you know what I mean? To attempt to like, get this discomfort away from me and the discomfort, you know, when I, in my youth was of getting too close. And so what I realized now, this is a very normal behavior pattern for me. I'm not saying it's a healthy one, but it's a normal one. And it's happened like in a multitude of different relationships that I've developed throughout my life. Um, you know what I mean? And 
I, I think part of my upbringing makes it a little easy for me to discard people when I, when I'm overstimulated by them wanting to be close to me. But then at the same time, like the flip side of that is obviously, uh, if I want to be close to them, that's when the fear of abandonment kicks in and that's when I got to go. Um, and so this is the dichotomy. I really don't know how to, like, I don't know how to get over this. Like, I don't know how to live with this, um, in a healthy capacity. And I think that basically what I found, and this sounds really fucked up and really terrible, but really honest, okay, is what I found within the confines of at least my second marriage was I happened to find the safety, and I use the term loosely, but of another person that was the same level of emotionally unavailable that I was. And I entered into a relationship with them, you know, or at least that was the way that that was my perception in those moments. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that allowed that to continue because I find um, the people that I feel the most safe around, at least in a romantic capacity, are the ones that I like, I don't know, like my nervous system gets activated and like I you know what I mean? Ah, like, I don't know how to describe that, but, um, that's pretty much, um, what my, what my brain or what my body makes my brain want to do is to create distance. Um, because like, while I want the intimacy and the closeness, I fear that, and while I, you know, have this, you know, deep, like, seriously, like, the the abandonment thing, it's a really deep-seated trigger. Like, it's very, very, very deep-seated. Because it seems as, as soon as that hot, as soon as that hot button is pushed, I'm out. I am fucking out. Like, I gotta go, bye. Um, and, um, I don't know how to, uh... I don't know how to turn it down, I guess, if I had to put words to it. And, um, like, right now I'm just trying to, uh, sit with it, I guess. You know what I mean? And, un like, to sit with it and understand exactly what it is and why it is. And, um, it's fun. It's really fun. Um, self-awareness <laughs> is, uh, it sucks sometimes. This is a perfect example of that. And so, like, I don't know, like, I, it's, it's very difficult to want to constantly run from the thing that you desire. Um, you know, like, I'm sure there are a plethora of other people out there that are experiencing this or have experienced this, but, um, yeah, like this, this is, this is my next step and, um, self-improvement, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. But then, like, so the fun side of this, right, is, um, the other thing that's, it's like the opposite end of the spectrum for this, right, is, um, boundaries. Like, I, like, learning how to establish boundaries because I developed a habit in my marriage of being a people pleaser, 
from basically like I got tired of fighting you know what I mean and like basically for lack of a better way of putting it I would say picking my battles turned into not fighting about you know what I mean the things that I grew resentment towards um or if so like I was fighting and I was just being dismissed and so yeah like still there was you know, there there was still a lot of people-pleasing behaviors that, you know, like, carried on throughout that time frame. And, like, it was one, like, there was no fucking boundaries. Like, there were absolutely no fucking boundaries within the parameters of uh, my marriage. And so, um, I, obviously not close with enough people <laughs> to, um, have learned, um, healthy boundaries like what the fuck that even means and then establishing them and being you know what i mean and maintaining like healthy relationships based on <laughs> said boundaries <laughs> because like it's not really like i don't it's not something i have a lot of experience contending with in my personal life <laughs> like so i guess this might be an area where i i i need to put on my professional um hat if you will and learn from you know what I mean like when I need to establish boundaries like how have I established boundaries in the workplace and um you know trying to reformat that into a personal capacity because um like I'm unhealthy like I am just really fucking unhealthy and I you know, like, I would like to maintain um, relationships with people, be they romantic or friendly, that are healthy. And thus far, I have a very limited capacity to do that. And what's interesting to me is that the ones that I do have that I would put into that, um, like bucket because it's it's a small bucket but the ones that I have that I would put into that bucket have all primarily developed in, like they developed in a professional setting <laughs> so you know what I mean <laughs> like, um yeah like all of my healthiest relationships that I have have started out as like professional relationships with people you know be they like like um like boss employee you know what I mean kind of thing or like peers or whatever um like the health all of the healthiest relationships that I have with people have all started in the workplace so I'm like I don't know what this says about me like like as a person like like I can't help but laugh because I don't accept it. There's no better humor than self-deprecating humor, you know, and dark humor. So, like, I, you know, I don't know. It's a strength. I'm really amazing at laughing at my own misfortune or laughing in the face of my misfortunes, whatever. And so, yeah, boundaries, huh? Because um, I would like to develop healthy relationships with other people. Like, it would be nice, you know, it would be nice to have relationships with other people where, um, that are developed in the real world, you know, initially, like out in society and whatnot, um, where, um, 
they're not transactional relationships, you know, or where I'm not specifically keeping people at arm's length by allowing them to, you know what I mean? By allowing them to open up and having them open up to me without there being any major reciprocation where it's all very one-sided and you know what I mean? Like it's convenient and easy for me because they need me, but that, that need does, it's not reciprocated because it's safer that way. And so, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know how to get out of this comfort zone. I really, really don't. But um, this is my current adventure, is learning how to sit with, um, sit with the anxieties um, pertaining to attaching to other people <laughs> and having the desire to do so um, <laughs> without just shutting down <laughs> and running off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I... I can't help but laugh. Um, so, yeah, if anybody out there has any feedback on that, I would absolutely love to hear it. Um, I'm on TikTok, and I'm on TikTok and Snapchat at Ruth underscore less 138. Hit me up if you're listening to this and you have any like legitimate thoughts on this. Like I really would love to hear any kind of feedback because um, this this is a hump that I'm, I'm working on, you know, the whole idea of like sitting with my feelings and, uh, you know, like allowing myself to feel them like, and, you know, identify them in my body and all that stuff. And while I will say that um, when my nervous system is activated is not as intense as it was, it's still, it's pretty much the same shit, you know, like the thing that makes me like, I gotta go. Um, it's the same shit. Um, like maybe the downtime doesn't last quite as long, but, um, it would be really great to eventually get to a point where, you know what I mean? There's like a normal level of concern about these things instead of like this, hyperactive you know what I mean like for alarm kind of like you know what I mean like where it feels like uh like because somebody is right because somebody is safe they're essentially threatening you know like like I don't know like I'd like to be legitimately close with somebody on a uh, on a deeper level you know where they're not the only ones being vulnerable like without feeling like they're threatening me by by wanting to do that um yeah and so that's the dance is uh <clears throat> feeling threatened by the thing that you desire basically it's a great time um but like i i have full confidence that i will get there but like i at the end of the day, I still want anybody and everybody that's listening to this that's ever had these thoughts and emotions or whatever to understand, like, you're not alone. Pro there's probably more of us unhealthy people out there than healthy people, truth be told. Like, if I was a betting person, I would bet that there's at least a good mm, 70% of the population that has this um, level of deep-seated uh, drama or whatever to work through. Whereas like, I feel like the other 30%, like 
doesn't. And like, you know what I mean? The, the why behind it, I think would be a very fascinating thing to get into like the nitty gritty, which I mean, I do periodically within the structures of my own family, just because of how different and similar, um, I am with my siblings and, um, behavior patterns and attitudes and outlooks and, you know, how we carry ourselves and things to that effect. But, you know, it's the whole nurture versus nature thing. And I'm still in the process of trying to figure out if I'm really anxious and depressed or if it's just all circumstantial and it's just some bullshit that I've got to work through, you know, like, what is it really? What is it really? I'm finding out. I think right now it's primarily just a bunch of circumstantial bullshit that I have to work through because I just have never really been in a calm environment. So I don't know how to respond. And uh, so I run away from that and go find the chaos because that's normal. But um, yeah, that's all I've got for tonight. So in the meantime, everybody, thank you for listening and uh, be well.